I love being able to talk about brands that I use on my podcast, and I've personally been using this one for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair, skin, and nails. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma10 and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any alive women's multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchased there is power so show black founders some love not just during black history month but all year long because every time we buy a black led brand we make room for another black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at walmart go to walmart.com black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair and Anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the psychology of your 20s, the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show, welcome back to the podcast, new listeners, old listeners, wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Today is one that I am super, super excited about, something that we don't talk about a lot on this show is sex and pleasure, and I think that it is really important to discuss, so I don't know why we haven't spoken about it before, but when... I heard about this company a couple of years ago. I immediately downloaded their app. It's an amazing experience. And additionally, I think really aligns with a lot of the values we promote on this show. We talk a lot about psychology, obviously. And I think like everything in our 20s, sex in our 20s is also based in a lot of psychology. So today we are going to talk about it. And I've brought on a wonderful, fabulous guest um, to join us, one of the co-founders of Dipsy, Gina Gutierrez. Hi. Wow, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming along. Can you kind of talk us through what we're talking about today, but also what Dipsy is? Because I think one of the big things about sex in our 20s is that we kind of don't really have like a guidebook. We kind of just go all in no one's really telling us what to do and we can feel quite disconnected. So where does kind of Dipsy sit in that kind of space? Yeah, so Dipsy is uh, an app for audio erotica and the stories are all original and we write them ourselves in studio. They're sex positive, they're feminist, they're really fun and they show what sex could kind of be like realistically but also really aspirationally. And it's obviously 15 minutes of fun when you're listening to an episode but they're also amazing to hear how sex could happen or what you might say or what a date could be like that you might really want to be on or how you might enter a sex club for the first time right like they actually do teach you a little bit about how you might 
experience things in your own life. And we love that. We love creating a guidebook in a world where there are not a lot of guidebooks. So um, Mm. Dipsy is a brainchild of kind of the combination of what a sexual wellness experience could feel like and also like a really great storytelling studio could feel like. Um, And it is both. Yeah. And where did you get the idea from? So if you haven't kind of dipped your toes into audio erotica I think it's amazing obviously as someone who works in like the audio space I think stories and like really provide us with like an insane ability to firstly be educated but also to connect not just with others but with ourselves so yeah where did you get this idea from because I think it's like so smart well thank you so my co-founder and I started the company when we were 27 and I'd been thinking about these ideas since I was in college so since I was 18 And I remember one of my really good friends coming back to our dorm and she had just had sex the night before with this guy that she was really into. And she came back and she was like, I really like him, but I just, the sex isn't that good. Why wouldn't that just be automatic? If I really like him, shouldn't the sex be good? And so I started asking her questions about the experience. And when I asked her the question, what are you thinking about when you're having sex? She looked at me with this blank stare and she was like, wow, I I really don't know. And something about that moment really struck me, that she was so focused on her physical experience, she wasn't thinking about her mental experience at all. So I think many of us understand our brains holding us back from good sex. It's like, I'm stressed out, so that makes my sex drive lower, or I'm preoccupied by a conversation I had earlier, and so I'm kind of dissociated, or I'm overly focused on what I look like or what I'm doing. Um, or I'm, you know, struggling in all these ways. These are actually like psychological barriers, but we're really not focused on what ways our brain could really support us in having amazing sex. And so how do we have our own bank of fantasy that we lean on? And how do we have language that we use that we like to hear and guide someone in giving more to us or that we like to say because we like to say it? And these are these like amazing unlocks that really make sex so much better. And storytelling is such an amazing space for that. But the reason that we started it when we were 27 is because Calm and Headspace were coming up. And Calm and Headspace were showing that you could make an amazing audio experience that uh, was super immersive and that wasn't there just to teach you something like podcasts were doing at the time, but to change how you felt. And I firmly believe that storytelling can change how you feel. And I really wanted to make stories that could feel like that. And I had this hunch that audio erotica could really be this amazing immersive experience that was imagination forward. So you could imagine kind of your own house on the blueprint that we were giving you with our stories, what characters looked and sounded like, what you looked and sounded like in that in that story, where you were, how it all comes together is really up to you to create. And there's something really, really powerful about that that I think is really, really empowering. You really are in control. Yeah, I absolutely love that and totally, fully agree I really think it's fascinating what you said around how we recognize the the intersections between our mental framework and our psychology and the sex we're having, but we don't recognize it in the moment, right? We think about it as a barrier, not as an enabler. So how can we kind of leverage that understanding of, of how our mind's working and how our psychology impacts our physical sensations to have good sex in our 20s I think that's like the the golden question that I get asked so much there's like countless episodes podcasts about this you know articles people want to know how to have good sex in their 20s yeah well I think first of all it's answering what good sex is (laughs) what makes sex Mm. good I think is a question we don't often ask ourselves and I think it's a very personal question And what I would encourage people to think about is start noticing what feels good to you across all avenues of your life. And what I mean by that is I think we have these stories or ideas of what feels good, like binge watching my favorite show feels good or seeing this group of friends feels good. But then when you do binge watch that show or you do see that group of friends, you're turning off the TV or you're driving home and you're thinking like, oh, I'm kind of tired or I'm kind of just like feeling a little ick or I'm feeling a little bit out of my body. It's really interesting to notice that these things that we might have stories about that make us feel good actually don't make us feel good. On the mm. other hand, there are many things that you might do that really surprise you with how good they feel. Maybe there's a new friend that you're spending time with and every time you leave them, you're like, wow, I feel energized. I feel excited. I feel like I laughed. I feel like I was funny, whatever. And you notice that and it feels good. And so I think it's a really good place to start with just being like, listen to the signals of your body of like, this feels good. I would like more of this. 
where this actually doesn't feel good. And you might be surprised by what some of those things are. I think we're very distracted. We have screens all around us. We're moving from place to place. We're busy with our jobs. And if we aren't listening to those signals, how can we listen to what those signals might be like in the bedroom? So that's like baseline where I'd start. Yeah. I think solo sex is also kind of where to start. I mean, the American sex education system certainly doesn't talk about masturbation the way I think it should be talked about, where it's a really, by default, safe place for you to explore what kind of touch you like, what you like to fantasize about, pacing, order. You know, you get to start thinking through what your ropes are. (laughs) You know your own ropes. And I don't know, I think especially I hear this uh, at Dipsy with heterosexual women who are in partnerships with men who kind of almost assume that men come pre-coded with knowledge about sex. And I can guarantee Mm. you that no one comes pre-coded with that. But men often have the guidebook of porn. And that comes with a whole mixed set of messages, some maybe interesting and some really harmful. And so if he or they or she is coming with their own ideas of what sex is and what good sex is, you too need to come to the table with your ideas of what good sex is. So you feel empowered in that and you can stand firm in that. And the only way you can really do that, I think, is by exploring just by yourself. And so I think like round one, like step one, is what does the self-touch or the solo sex experience feel like? Yeah. I, again, I just keep parroting exactly what you're saying. I really, really agree with that. It's really interesting because when I like first started having sex, like in my teen years, and then even in my like very early 20s, I used to just like define sex as like penetration. And I was literally talking to someone about this yesterday where I was like, I used to be like, all right, it's good sex if like, it's penetrative and he comes <laughs> totally and nothing else matters yep. because it's all about like pleasuring them. Yep. And it's so interesting because I think when I started to be like really move into this like self exploration phase, I bought a vibrator. It's the best thing I ever, like, probably the best $70 I ever spent. Um, and then suddenly it was like, not only was I having better sex, but I was attracting better partners. And I think it also came from this like confidence thing as well. And this like sense of self of like, wow, I am having better sex with myself than I've ever had with someone else. So I only want someone to elevate that experience. Yeah. I think if you talk to the average, I mean, maybe this is a little ageist, but I think if you talk to the average 40 or 50 year old about sex Mm. being this playground to discover who you are and how confident you can be in this world and how much you love yourself, they'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think if you say that to a younger person, they're more likely to be like, yeah, totally. Like this is this underused space where if I have some more, um, if I pay more attention to what I can do in this space, I might like take that with me out in the world. And I think when people listen to Dipsy, they sometimes say that they'll say like, I don't even need to listen right before I have sex. Sometimes I just walk out the street and I'm like, I'm walking with like a skip in my step. I'm feeling good. I'm like bouncing down the sidewalk. I'm smiling at strangers. Like that feeling feels like feeling alive. And so I think sex is just one way to be like, how can I like really feel alive and here in this world? Um, And that's, I mean, like that's so worthwhile, you know, like that's, that's it right there in my mind. Yeah. And I think that kind of gets to this point, right? Where it's like, you don't need to be I think you don't need to be having sex to be experiencing pleasure I think we often put sex on this pedestal there's this weird conundrum I found where there's like this shame around having sex but it used to be a lot of shame around having too much sex Mm. and now I hear a lot of people see a lot of people in my personal life through this podcast who come to me and are like I'm experiencing a lot of self-shame because I'm having too little yeah classic yeah, because I feel like everyone is selling sex to me as this like empowering thing and that I need to have all of these sexual experiences in my 20s to like form the foundation of, you know, having good sex in my 30s right. or like having these stories. Uh, where do you think that comes from? Because that's something I'm really fascinated by. There are so many shoulds in this space. It's incredible. Mm. And I think um, it's really interesting to me how numbers obsessed we are about sex. We like really try and quantify it. Like, how many times a week is normal? What's healthy? What's good for my relationship? And Mm. uh, what it all boils down to is all of us asking ourselves, like, am I normal? 
And it's the number one question that we get asked all the time, like an investigation of whether I'm normal. And the answer is that there are so many different ways to be normal, (laughs) but everyone is normal in that. There's just like different routes to discovering, you know, what's going to work for you. And the shame around, you know, having too much, having too little, I see it as connected to the self-care movement too, which I think net-net, very positive. It's wonderful that people have paid more attention to taking care of themselves and addressing when they are overstressed or overtaxed. But when that starts to tip into, are you doing all this stuff? Are you meditating every day? These are these shoulds, actually. You're putting yourself into a new should space. And so I would, you know, really ask someone to reframe. It's like really not about quantity at all, unless that really matters to you. Decide if that really matters to you. But it's actually allowing other people to decide what matters to you. I think what really matters is what feels good to you. And so if you're having a little high quality sex and whatever that means to you, that's amazing. Unless you feel like you want to be having more for it of it. Ask yourself that. Is that something that you care about? And start to like create your own ideas of what matters to you, not because anyone has, you know, other ideas that should weigh in um, on that. Yeah. So there are going to be expectations in this space all over the place. I think in relationships, there are expectations. When you're single, there are expectations. And it's hard to... We are social human beings. We look to others to help us understand how we move through this world. And that's very natural. Um, Mm. But the shame around having, you know, too little sex, I think now is a little bit of like this new thing where like the former stigma was like, you know, you're out there and you're, um, what are all the old fashioned sayings? Like you're too loose or too easy or whatever words were, Mm. were the words then. Um, And I think now the new fear that I hear from a lot of 20 year olds, you know, 18 to 24, especially is like, have I had enough? Like, am I experienced enough? Is it shameful and embarrassing that I'm going out in the world without enough experience? And, mm. oh my gosh, like, you don't need to put that upon yourself. I I think that that is actually really getting to the, such, a, such a good point there of, like, the shoulds that accompany sex. And I remember talking to a friend the other day, and I was like, you know, you can have a lot of sex and not much of it can be good. Yeah. You know, or you can be having sex with one person right. for your whole life, and it's amazing. Like, I think that that numbers, that numbers descriptor, that numbers game you're talking about, I see that everywhere. In like, oh, what's your body count as well? Totally. I'm surprised by how many people ask that question. I know the body count thing is interesting. First of all, what a horrible phrase! <laughs> so bad. I know. I'm like, oh, and the fact that I think that it's like was first used very much by men. Yeah. And now it's one of those phrases where we just say it, but we don't actually think about what that actually means. Yeah, let's like, let's talk about what it actually means. Like, just right now, because yeah. I, I'm thinking about it for the first time in a, in a long time, which is, like, sex is bodies, and that we are these transactional, yeah. physical beings, and we just transact with one another, and we handshake, or have penetrative sex yeah. in, this, <laughs> in this context, and then we move on, instead of having yeah. some sort of emotional, chemical, interesting interaction with someone, even if that's just purely... A one a one time moment. That doesn't mean that you're not having a human interaction with someone. Body count makes it sound so. Um, yeah, the, your personhood is kind of erased from that completely. Yeah, and I also think that when we think about body count in other aspects, maybe this is a bit of a, a stretch, but how it's used in like the military and to like accompany the idea of like dead bodies yeah. and like this. And when they used it in that sense, it was like, oh, what's your body count as this like medal of honor of like. How many people have you, like, dominated, killed? It just, I think, is still very much this, like, descriptor of, like, to be celebrated. The higher your body mm. count, the better. And especially when we think about its origins in terms of a very historically, excessively patriarchal, misogynistic society. This is normally what it was referring to. Anyhow, we are off track. But I do think that it's, like, that language around sex really needs to to go yeah and we're judgmental in both directions i think we're judgmental of single people who have quote-unquote too many partners and we're judgmental of long-term monogamous people who have had only one partner and like we're judgmental about whether that's you know better or worse whether you learn more or less whether you have more sexual experience or less and i think all of it is just you know we're projecting our own insecurities about what's happening with everyone else um but all experiences are normal and all experiences are valid if they're what you want And again, it all comes back to what you want. Um, But of course we struggle with that in sex because I don't think a lot of people are asking us to evaluate that very often. We're not, we don't don't really flex that muscle. 
Absolutely not. I also think it links back to very much where we learn sex from. You know, we talked about porn, but also in terms of our education system, the conversations that our friends are having, um, movies. And I recently really was thinking about this in terms of also like your first sexual experience Mm -hmm. and how much that really determines how you see sex unless you unlearn it. Um, And I think that that also, you know, I don't think most people's first sexual experience is particularly good. You know, it's not, might not be terrible, but like you're kind of just fumbling through it. Um, And I think that if you think, if your entire perception of sex is based off of one experience or like your first experience and how that went and you're not, and that's never been challenged, um, particularly what I was talking about before where it's like, it's very penetration based and it's very much based on like, I'm a heterosexual woman based on what the man wants. That takes a long time to unlearn. How do you think we can kind of start to unlearn that? Yeah, it's interesting. The the idea of, you know, well, I had oral sex and that's not sex. Or these are like common things that you hear, you know, in the categorization or the quantifying of like what sex is. And it all comes down to ignoring the feelings of it. Just focus on the facts of it. Um, your question is, how do we move away from the idea that the first experience is like this... Um, we over-index on it. I think just like how do we unlearn some of the th- some of the early things we're taught about sex, the harmful things we're taught about sex, whether that's from our first sexual experience or from porn or from, I think, I think the um, education system is a bit different in Australia. We don't do amazing, but we I think do a little bit better. But I'm even sure then, we do better. <laughs> the American system uh, is no system. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so going against zero there um but how do we unlearn some of those things yeah you referenced really early on in the conversation that there aren't a lot of good guidebooks and that's something that we at dipsy are very aware of and um i think it it right now it puts the burden on people to do a lot of self-discovery to find out what they like but also to like do some unlearning and to to do some understanding of how consent can fold into their lives and kind of do the work of being a healthy sex positive sexual partner and that's hard because i wish it was easier for people it shouldn't have to be so difficult to kind of self-serve on the internet to figure that out especially because you might hit a lot of things that you don't want to see or aren't the right information um the internet is a wild uh west sort of resource (laughs) so i think um finding sources that you trust really matters and so like at dipsy we hope to be one of those sources you know you trust the makers they're asking you to pay for this content it is ethical content by default if you're engaging with more classic visual pornography pay for that content that is the best and only way that you can really guarantee um, that it is on the side of ethical porn versus um, you don't know its its genesis or how it's being made Um, that you are allowing yourself to expand your understanding of what those resources are like maybe you're really excited about fanfic on the internet and you're like this isn't teaching this is just like the fluffy stuff about sex it's not like you're actually doing active work in understanding what you like what thematics feel exciting to you and what feels less exciting to you and those are all resources that are available to you. And many of them are actually fun and engaging and don't feel like you're reading your 18th blog post about consent and still confused. Yeah. Um, you know, I want people to listen to a Dipsy story and say like, oh, like that actually wasn't so complicated. That didn't like kill the vibe that actually made it sound even sexier. Um, you know, there's a spectrum from like consent to dirty talk. And there's like a huge in between of like what it means to verbalize during sex. These are things that are so hard if you don't have examples of what that sounds like. So people need more resources to figure that out before they're like out in the world. Some people are intrepid and they're like, great, I'll figure that out during sex, during sex and I'll learn as I go. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that don't feel as comfortable doing that. Of course not. Um, and so, you know, our hope is that there are more resources like Dipsy around and there, there are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's okay to take either path I think like getting out there and learning Mm. is great and um doing the work to learn is also great again like what's your what's your path everyone's gonna have a different path I love that you mentioned um fanfic on the internet I feel like that was such a introduction for me was like erotica like erotic literature and I remember being like oh my god I feel so bad I had like um this one book at college and like I actually found it the other day and like the sex in it is so mild like it's so very mild and I was like wow 
like oh my gosh like this is insane and like I like had the page like dog-eared and like all that stuff and I'm like I I do think that that is actually such a valid thing like I don't know everyone loves a little bit of a smutty novel like yeah every now it's and amazing again. how many people now that it's getting a little bit more comfortable to talk about these things you know Dipsy's been around for five mm. years and I think five years ago people talked about this less than they do now even like the new up-and-coming interest in uh like romance media like Bridgerton wouldn't have happened five years yeah. ago which is cool yeah. to watch kind of that's happening and I think part of it is like the um pushback against misogyny happening in our culture where it's like cool like you want to watch football amazing well I want to watch a romance uh piece of media and I want to watch Bridgerton and yeah. that's an equally valuable way of using my time and it's not like chick lit it's not like worse media it's like great media that is fun and I love to consume so I think a little bit of it yeah. is, is like a pushback on there aren't certain types of media that are like by nature worse or better um you actually just mm. get to choose what you like which I think is really empowering and awesome um but yeah we all had the dog-eared book and we hit the dog-eared book right and that was in an, an era yeah. where you had to kind of hide it um exactly it's so interesting though because um I distinctly remember my grandma having like do you guys have Mills and Boone Mm-mm. what is that okay so M- Mills and Boone is like this maybe it's just an Australian thing but it's like this series of um like smart books like sexy romance books for like the the generation of my grandma yeah or maybe even my mom so like and they all look exactly the same and on the front will be like this 80s photoshopped image and it'll be like the fabio style cowboy like a horse yeah exactly it will be like the cowboy and and the runaway or like something like that it will be like the mistress of oman or like something and it's just like and it's just smart. Yep. And my grandma used to have them everywhere Amazing. when we were kids. So it's it's interesting that I still felt like shame around sex, I think, because I was like, oh, my God, grandma, that's so embarrassing. Um, but it was so it's so funny because I think that it's just and it. I, I think also she did feel a bit of like shame. But then as she got older, she was like, oh, I'm I'm a, I still feel sexual urges like I still feel pleasure wow that's really powerful to hear that from your grandmother that's really cool she was oh she's she's still alive I don't know why I was like gonna say she was she is like a very empowered lady and I think it you know as she got older that actually became more evident to me well you know when we were first starting to think about making Dipsy not just an idea but a company we were looking at the romance novel industry and it's amazing. Like it drives the publishing industry. Like it is the reason the publishing industry is afloat. Literally Amazon had to create a different package in order to not lose money because romance novel consumers read so many of them that they were like literally taking Amazon out of business. The business model wasn't working. So they had to create a separate package for it. So there's like incredible voracious demand for this content, but we weren't seeing that demand kind of trickle down to younger audiences. Why is that? Well, like, is the guy with the long hair on the horse, like, really the model of what's sexy anymore? Is that it? Mm. Uh, There's all sorts of kind of baggage that was associated with the category that did really well for our moms and our aunts and our grandmothers, and that's amazing. Like, this is not new. This is just new ways of making this feel cool and contemporary, and, like, it is talking about sex the way that you might talk about it with your friends or, like, actually have it, you know, out in the world. So... I think it's amazing that that existed, but I also think we should be aware that that was very much like relegated as this like silly little woman's thing, which happens a lot where either sex Mm. is very, very dangerous or sex is like this like silly, safe little interest. And there's like, those are the kind of the two places that it can be. You know, our understanding of what pleasure is, is really, really limited in the context of Western society. You know, we've been taught to be good members of society and that our value is measured by what we make or what we do or by our success or um, maybe by how esteemed we are. And so we see pleasure as like a distraction to what matters most or worse, like a place of no return. Like if we focus on pleasure, we'll ignore all these more important parts of our lives. And so pleasure is generally seen as this zone where it's like allowed to exist if it feels guilty. Like you can have it, but you better feel guilty about it. That's like the regulating Mm. factor. And I think the way that we treated romance novels for many, many decades was that it's like, okay, you can have your silly little book. That's safe. But like, let's let's make you feel a little guilty about it to keep it in check because pleasure is seen as selfish and pleasure is seen as, you know, 
you need to earn it. And the worst, worst case scenario, it's seen as dangerous. We're like, once you get a taste, what will happen? And frankly, I think in the context of our patriarchal society, as you just called it out, if a woman knows what true pleasure is, why wouldn't she just leave her husband? Why wouldn't she break the family you did? Why wouldn't she be out discovering and exploring? Let's like, let's not even give her a taste, right? And those are the containers of thought that we still see when we talk to our customers. We hear that all the time. These are the things I'm afraid of. It's like, ah, if I'm experiencing pleasure, I'm wasting time. Or like, if I'm experiencing pleasure, that means someone else experiences less of it. Or if I work hard enough and get thin enough, then I deserve oh something. Like. We all know what that feels like. That second point that you just said then was like, like I'd never been able to identify that. Which one? That if I feel pleasure, someone else will feel yeah. less. Zero sum. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm shocked because I think that that is an attitude that I've had for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That was like kind of mind-blowing <laughs> to me. People are probably listening to this being like, um, yeah, duh, that's not true. <laughs> but like, I think it was just the way that you were able to describe that. I guess that really, also, I want to say you are so right when you were talking about the, you know, the, the cowboy with the long hair and how this generation is, is not particularly attracted to, to that yeah. depiction. And I really think, you know, that it comes down to people are more interested in a character psychologically nowadays Mm, say more they don't want them to be yeah they don't want them to be like perfect they want them to be they want them to have some kind of nuance and some kind of discoverability and some kind of vulnerability that is interesting it's not just about physical form it's not about being this like um archetype and depiction of of attractiveness it's it's we are like we uh, we want to be more psychologically satisfied by our characters. That's so well said. And you see that in fan fiction. Like you see the kind of like enemy that is misunderstood and has so much more to offer mm. or the kind of um, mysterious character that hasn't been fully understood until one person can really see and understand them. I think that's some of the most common tropes that you're seeing happen over and over again. Yeah. Uh, definitely reflect Biggest that. example is, is Christian Grey. Yeah, that's probably true. From- Fifty Shades of Grey, like this, like torture. Do you think he's redeemable? Orphan, no. <laughs> I don't know. I could, Asking I the tough know. questions out here. This is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I actually did read that. I actually read that series over my summer break this year. Oh, really? What do you think? Um, I wasn't a fan. I was, I wasn't a fan. I actually didn't love it. I didn't love it. It was just at my beach house, and I had forgotten to bring a book because I was um, hiking beforehand, and. It was the only thing there. Funnily enough, they actually had three copies. So it <laughs> was like loved it. me. Yeah. So it was like me and my cousin and one of my best friends. And we were all reading it. At the oh, same you time. book clubbed it. That's fun. We book clubbed it like an accidental you, book club. What was the debrief like? Um, I think it was like, you know, it was so funny. At one point, she won't mind me saying this, but my cousin was like, got to this part that I knew was like particularly spicy. And then she's like, I'm just going to go upstairs. And I was like, like, I got to tap out. <laughs> in private space, got to like, go. Yeah. And I was like, you, I think that is so valid. I think like our consensus on it was like, this is not actually that appealing. Mm. Because it would be like, oh, I, I think the one thing that I noticed about it was in all the sex scenes, it was like, she came really quickly. Yeah. She came within like three minutes. Yeah. And I was like, and then she'd be like, oh, wave of pleasure. And then, like, he just kept going, and then we were done. Yeah. And I was like, I do think, yeah, anyhow, here's my book review, guys. No one asked for it, but Fifty Shades is a great book review. I mean, Fifty Shades blew open the idea of what a romance novel could be, which I think many people mm. felt was, like, kind of this dowdy old-school thing. And that's cool. Like, that did amazing work. Um, but was it the best written version of what sex at its most aspirational and sexy could be? I think most people think no. You know, the power dynamics at play there could have been a lot more nuanced and the pleasure could have been a lot more mutual um and like listen to each their own like some people love that book absolutely awesome power to you um but Mm. there there needs to be more versions of what like a really sexy piece of media can look like and i honestly i give credit to shows like bridgerton that are trying to figure those things out on the big screen um yeah. which again like wasn't happening five years ago so i think like talk about generational shifts like what millennials were consuming is is different than what gen z is consuming like it literally is a different world of content yeah. out there 
I love being able to talk about brands that I use on the podcast, and this is a brand that I've been personally using for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive Women's Multivitamin Gummies, are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help you convert food into fuel. They also have calcium and vitamin D to support bone health and healthy hair, skin, and nails. And for those of you who may be watching your sugar intake, they now have a zero sugar version made with plant-based sweeteners, including stevia extract and monk fruit extract. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive Women's Multivitamin Gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any Alive Women's Multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchase, there is power. So show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. Because every time we buy a black lead brand, we make room for another. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine. Our first time using something normally forms a lifelong impression, even if psychology says that impression is not always correct. For example, you may try a new food for the first time, realize you don't like it, and you're convinced for the rest of your life to never try again. Or the first time shaving or using hair removal cream. I think we can all remember that strong chemical smell of those old formulas, Well, that is about to change. Nair is the number one hair removal brand, and now it has a new and improved formula that actually smells amazing and does away with the need to shave or have a rusty razor on hand. I was honestly so surprised when I used these for the first time because I think the last time I used hair removal creams was when I was probably 18. There was nothing pleasant about that smell, but now with scents like orange blossom and Moroccan argan oil for their new shower creams and cocoa butter, oat milk, vanilla or water lily and aloe vera for their body creams, they actually make me enjoy the experience. So a story about this. The other day I had three of my closest girlfriends and my boyfriend over for dinner and we had this bottle. We decided we wanted to try it out. We wanted to get rid of some hair on our legs we all used the oat milk and vanilla body cream literally at my dining table we applied it we waited for three minutes they turned out so smooth even my boyfriend put some on his calf let me tell you that little spot is still silky smooth a week later he can testify this stuff works and we also agreed these new formulas are a game changer because not only can you actually get rid of hair It actually smells nice and it removes the hassle of having to shave every few days, every few weeks. It also is free of dyes, it's free of parabens, it's free of sulfates, which is a big plus for me. And I have to say, again, the new Spence actually smell really, really good. You can smell them for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the Sassy Girl Bomb Grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. 
So to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Obviously, we've spent a large part of this episode talking about sex, and sex is fun and sex is fascinating and interesting. People love talking about sex. But there are some other things about your life right now, your experience that I think would be equally valuable to share with people in their 20s. The first one being that we have almost, well, we have a decade between Mm us. Um, So you're kind of like, you're kind of me in in my 30s, right? Like you're where I'm at in my 20s in in your 30s. And I think that there is at least around me in the people I see this like impending doom associated with turning 30 and it's almost like the clock ticks over one of my friends the other day said to me um she was like oh what did she say she was like oh 30 is when when women die like no longer are they stab me in the heart I know but I was like I was like (laughs) I think a lot of people feel that way excuse me oh yeah I know I was like Claire that is not what we want to hear um but you are post 30s how has it been what's it what's been some of the learnings and the new outlook on life if there has been one yeah I think you know I'm 33 so the pandemic started when I was 29 so like right at the tail end of my 20s I think all of us in some ways felt like we were disrupted like we lost something we lost college years or we lost like transition years in our 20s or we lost you know I I lost turning 30. Like that was just lost to the wind of the pandemic. So I think there is something unique and present right here and now. Um, But, you know, speaking from my experience, my 20s were interesting because 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't as common as it is today to have queer friends that were out of the closet when I was 18 or when I was 20 or even when I was 23. Like I had plenty of friends Mm that one of my friends affectionately calls baby queers that were figuring out what it means to feel safe out in the world as someone who is stated as queer. And for those folks, you know, you're working through that feeling of you should be more experienced but aren't, and that can be really challenging in your 20s. And I think there's versions of that that happen in our 30s too. Like we are all baby queering in some ways where maybe you hit 30 and I've had this for plenty of friends and you're deeper in monogamy with someone, you've been with someone for a longer time and you're like, hey, I actually want to figure out not how to not how to have good sex but how to have great sex what what is that going to yeah. look like for me um and so i actually see a lot of interest start to spike in maybe like the 28 29 zone where people are like i'm on a self-love journey i want to love my body i want to enjoy sex i want to expand what my understanding of sex is maybe i want to open up my relationship there's like more play happening with not just i want to have sex and i want to have as much of it as possible but like i really mm. want to focus on quality And I think that that's really a big shift in the 30s. It's like, how do I really focus on what quality is like to me? Which is amazing. I think people always talk about you feel less pressure as you grow older. I mean, I don't know. You feel pressure in different ways. But I think there's a little bit less of this, like, um, I need to be out. I don't know. Tallying my body count would be the worst way to say it. But like out there and like pushing myself. And I'm tired, but I'm going to go out on a Thursday. We feel that less, I think, generally speaking, in our 30s but we can still really attend to the moment we are in our sexual journey. And it's not finished. You know, life certainly doesn't end at 30. I, I love being 33. I love being into my thirties. Um, I think I, I can definitely say that I love myself more now than I did 10 years ago. And I hope that that keeps growing. And you know, the, the journey is always there and libido, libido shifts, right? Like you might be 23 and have really low libido at the time because you're boss is horrible and you're working super long hours or you're having body shame images uh, body image issues and there's all sorts of stuff going on and then you might come out of that and have a renaissance at 33 you might have a renaissance at 40 like the moments that we're having um the best sex in our lives are certainly not maintained or like bound by our 20s i think actually most people that i speak to that are past their 20s say they're having better sex now than they did then so it's ahead of you look forward to it there's a lot more life to live. Um, I think the greater interest in sexual self-discovery is kind of the big one that I feel really excited by, you know, um, what does that look like for me? What's that going to feel like? How am I going to bring that out? What class am I going to take? Am I going to take a Shibari class? Am I going to learn to love my body through a dance class? Like I I see a lot more of that. It's a little bit more like high intention, um, which I really respect. What's a Shibari class? Um, rope tying. So like a 
complex kind of art, um, but also like a form of BDSM that involves uh, knots and ropes. Oh my god, wow. Fascinating. There we go. I'm learning more. <laughs> I had no idea what that was, but super, super cool. It's also good to hear, I think, that the best is yet to come. It is such a trend, like, the hearing that, I do think that our 20s are, like, the quantity years. Yeah. We're like, how many pe- how many sexual experiences can I have? How much alcohol can I drink? How many countries can I visit? How many, like... Right, you're mosting really hard. How much money can I make? Yeah. Like, everything is like, yeah, it's like, I just want the maximum of everything, the maximum pleasure. Um, and it's kind of tiring, to be honest. Yeah. Sometimes I just want, like... I'm like, I'm cool with like the bare minimum. Like, well, maybe that's another thing that I can speak to that your 30s for. I think you're, you give yourself a lot more uh, leeway to like feel the feeling that you're feeling. And mm-hmm. if that feeling is tired, that's okay. And uh, that's really liberating. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the account, the nap ministry, but I think it's like really powerful stuff Yeah. Um, yeah. around um, liberation coming from allowing yourself to feel what you feel. And if that feeling is tired to embrace it. Yeah, I think it's also a massive shift in psychology as well of previously it was around treating the negative thoughts, treating the self-criticism, treating whatever's going on. And the way to like treat it was to like shame it out of ourselves or to suppress it or to be like, go for a run, like go and do this, go and distract yourself. And nowadays it's more like, actually you need to sit with that. Mm -hmm. Anything else is actually just going to exacerbate that feeling that distress whatever that urge is so you need to really like embrace the good and the bad which I think is it's like a part of positive psychology and like more holistic psychology that's like really coming through in this in this like new generation of psychologists so super fascinating the other thing I want to talk about is your journey through entrepreneurship Mm. I know it hasn't it has actually does have stuff to, to do with sex I know this is just like a sex episode Obviously, you started Dipsy. Um, how has that been? Because I think we were talking about this before we started recording. We were like, this is how good that stuff. Ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We should have started recording then, but it's still going to be great. Um, yeah, around like your journey through entrepreneurship, I feel like everyone is fascinated by how you can start a business, what makes a business, all of those kinds of things. Can you talk us through were you working elsewhere before like the whole journey would be it would be great to hear your path through yeah I mean this could take hours so I'll try and keep it brief (laughs) (laughs) so before I started Dipsy I was a brand strategist so I was helping brands figure out how to meet people where they are with what they could authentically offer and tell stories that people liked were interested in and so storytelling Mm -hmm. was always part of the mix I studied psychology in undergrad and oh I get I didn't mm -hmm. know that And I have always been really curious about what people want, what makes them tick, and why they do different things than what they state that they want. Just really, you know, just fascinating stuff, just the baseline of, you know, human behavior. And um, then I met my co-founder, and it was right around the time that I had this idea. And I think the the Mm. moment that you take the idea to the reality of, like, I'm quitting my job, I will not be making money, I'm going to put all of my eggs in this basket definitely helps when you have someone who is equally passionate about that idea Mm. um so i think that we we really supported each other when the other was feeling a little bit like ah the other person was there to be you know there's only room for one person at a time to be having a freak out right and so we got to balance each other in those ways and be like no this is really compelling the research is here and while i was a natural storyteller and was excited to figure out what this content was going to sound like Faye is an engineer and Faye knows how to build a product. And so we were kind of a perfect team to make it happen. So I think finding for someone that you have good fit with, but also someone who you really trust and really like matters a lot. Like you're going to be spending so much time with whoever you decide to be your business partner, should you follow that path. So that selection matters. And I would say that mattered in the last five years, even more than my romantic partner, if you can believe it. We've spent so much time together. Like in many ways, she is my other partner. Really? Oh, that's actually quite beautiful to hear that. Also, that fear of like transitioning from being like, I've quit my job to doing this. That is so scary. It's so high conviction, right? Like you are really saying, yeah. like, I really believe this. And then you are asked questions every day to push back on whether what you believe is true. And so you yeah. have many chances a day to be like, do I still believe this? Right. And you really just have to keep believing it. 
And yeah. I think that um, if that feels exciting because you feel such high conviction in something, that's amazing. And otherwise, wait for an idea that really makes you feel that way because that conviction will be tested on a daily basis and there will be many people that don't believe. And that's hard. That knocks your ego. Um, I really had to work on my self-esteem through that problem. Like, what if not everyone thinks this is what I should be spending my time doing? What if not everyone thinks this will work? What if not everyone thinks this is important? It's hard enough already just every day figuring out how to do it. But it's harder when other people don't necessarily think it's, um, yeah, you know, does a 50-year-old white man who my dad's business partner think that Dipsy is as important as a 25-year-old who is so excited mm. that this product exists? Of course not, but there are people like that. And so... Finding yeah. the people that remind you of why this matters to you and reminds you of this being important along the journey is also really huge. We were talking about that earlier too. Like it's helpful in the world of podcasting. You're like alone a lot. It's helpful to get out there and be like, wow, yeah. I meet you and you really like what I'm doing. That's, and that's amazing. It's also interesting what you were talking about. The idea that comes along. I watched this amazing TED talk the other day that was explaining how um, ancient uh, civilizations used to think that the ideas lived in the walls and in the wind mm. and so like an idea would come to you in the wind and you you had to like grab yeah. it and you had like a responsibility to grab it out and hold on to it super tight yeah. because and you can see the ideas like floating by I think a lot of people have like million dollar ideas on a daily basis I think everyone has had a million dollar idea but it's like they just let it float by they don't grab it and it, is, it takes a lot of courage to do both things. I think it takes a lot of courage to be like, oh, you know, I actually have a family right now and I can't do that or I need to focus on my exactly. studies. But also a lot of courage to be like, you know, I think that was my experience. I was like the first couple of months, first year, it was like I didn't get any listens. I Really, it was just like my family and close friends. And it just was like you just got to push through and believe in what you're doing. Exactly. Maybe those are my two biggest learnings. Is that possible? Could I boil it up to two? That'd be a miracle. But I think, you know, what you just said is so right. Like, it, there are some people that say, like, I have the grit and I'm willing to push through it and I'm willing to deal with a year, maybe even more, where I'm not getting the feedback that I want yet, but I, I just believe and I keep pushing. And there are other people yeah. that think, like, that actually sounds more terrifying than fun. And I don't know if I have that sort of grit. And I actually feel mm. really happy pursuing something where someone is telling me what they need and I'm doing my job really well. And that is an equally respectable path. And in many ways, I envy that in my hardest days because being an entrepreneur is like, oh, my God, it's, uh, the responsibility is on me yeah. all the time or me and my co-founder all the time. So talk about the shame thing. It's like there's no shame in finding what works for you and entrepreneurship definitely isn't for everyone but if you really feel excited to hold tight to that idea and like you just want to prove then like great grab it um and your 20s are a great time for that because you're full yeah. of energy <laughs> and like you know what else are you doing let's just try it and so it's an amazing time it's an amazing time also i think if you fuck up it's like that was my whole thing i was like i have nothing to lose by doing this i have nothing to lose like if i fuck up yeah, it's like I really was like, and also when when am I gonna do this otherwise? Like, yeah, when else am I gonna take this risk? You know, in my you know, I, it, things could happen at any point. Like, yeah, you have children, you have a mortgage, like you're getting promoted, your family members ill. Like, I need to go back and do this. Like, do my masters? I need to like. I think that it was just such a sometimes everything just kind of aligns. Yeah, but like you will be tested. Will be. I've learned that. Like. You, the universe the universe like some like i think that anything worth having isn't easy otherwise everyone would have it so wise and i know that's such like it sometimes people like yeah sometimes people give me like uh, give me a little bit of flack for that um they're like yeah, a lot of things that are worth having are easy but i'm like yeah but i think that there are some things that aren't you know like not everyone everyone wants a gold yeah everyone would want an olympic medal right the phrase that I like to use is like, what game do you want to be playing and what pain are you willing to tolerate? And so maybe you are the kind of person who can uh, really deal with challenging personalities. And that's just like kind of, you know, water off your back. It's, it's not super stressful to you, but for other people, that's like intensely uncomfortable. And so maybe, you know, being a nurse in a hospital isn't the job for you because that is like the sort of pain that you'd be encountering on a daily basis. Okay, so maybe that's not the game that you play. But um, yeah, life is, I think, about picking the games that you want to play and knowing that like no path is going to be like default wonderful. There's all, there's so many things about being an entrepreneur that are so wonderful. You pick who you work with. 
you choose the problems you want to work on, you decide how you want to spend your time and you own that time. Like those are really amazing things. But the downside of that, if you don't like it, is you feel like, oh my God, I have all this time. What am I supposed to do with it? How am I supposed to organize it? How am I supposed to use it? I have to pick people. That's so hard. Like, I don't like hiring. I find that really stressful. Like, there's all sorts of ways that you can see the same thing in two different directions. Um, and yeah, so probably I could bring that all the way back to what feels good for you. Like, if you're paying attention to what feels good for you and you're like, I end this day feeling like it was exhausting, but I'm not uh, depleted. I'm just tired. Cool. You know, there's a difference there. Gina, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is possibly one of my favorite episodes. I don't know why I haven't spoken about sex and pleasure before. There is so much psychology and fa- like so many facets of it that definitely need to be explored more. I want to also say this episode was not sponsored. I just really love Dipsy. It was not sponsored in any capacity. However, if you do want to download this app, experience some amazing storytelling, some amazing audio content. It's a little bit different to mine. You can go to, what's it, dipsy.com slash psych20. No, you can head to dipsystories.com slash psych20. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash psych20. There you go. And you get 30% off? You'll get 30 days free. So you can explore literally every piece of content to your heart's desire for 30 days and decide if it's right for you. Oh my goodness. Look at that. It's free. You may as well do it. You may as well just download it for 30 days and listen to some fun stories. Do some exploring. Yeah. Do some exploring. I think that's really, really valuable. And I would also definitely say follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We put all sorts of fun content, educational content out there. Uh, that's at Dipsy Stories on both TikTok and Instagram. I think the stuff we put up there is amazing. And our social media manager is a wizard. Actually, I did see something on TikTok the other day. And it was like one of your stories. Um, like the audio oh, really? of one of your stories. And like, yeah. And it was like over this like tree backdrop. And I was like who we targeted you effectively oh my god you, my algorithm was like and i follow We're you in the algorithm i follow you guys but not oh, okay yeah okay. yeah but like this one in particular was like oh, i was like it spoke to you. me out yeah it was really good there. <laughs> i literally was like oh let me go listen to a cute little story um thank you so much again for coming on i really think that what you're doing is amazing thank you so much for listening to today's episode as always if you feel called to do so please feel free to leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you're listening right now make sure you go and check out dipsy of course and if you have an episode suggestion if you just want to follow along please follow me at that psychology podcast on instagram and on tiktok to see what's coming out to see what we have in the works we would love to see you over there and as always have a lovely week we will be back with another episode in a couple days It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock, one at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with giveaways dropping every hour on the hour. It is the perfect time to try, like and share black lead products. It's free. It's for everyone. And it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black lead products that are creating a new world of choice at Walmart. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. I love being able to talk about brands that I use on my podcast, and I've personally been using this one for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair, skin, and nails. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like 
like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma10 and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any Alive Women's multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.